Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us. We have a great program centered around the biblical account of Samson. Samson was a very unique person in several ways. First of all, he did everything much differently than one person normally would do things that was so anointed of God early in his life. Often, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Of course, in the New Testament dispensation, every true believer is sealed with the Spirit. And when he walks in the light, he can manifest that, the power of God. First, Samson married an ungodly Philistine. Now, as he married this woman, he wasn't supposed to. He didn't uh, tell his parents. Her name was Timna. But he didn't marry her out of lust. He married her because the Philistines had dominion over Israel and it was of the Lord. This is a very unusual thing. God did not want the Israelites to marry the Philistines, but in this isolated case, he told Samson to do it. And Samson didn't communicate that to his parents because God wanted them to accept this by faith. So it's uh, quite a unique thing how this works. Samson did have obvious problems and he also had the grace of God upon his life. I think some of the things he did representing God in grace and representing the power of God were very unique. The first thing was when he tied the 300 tails of the foxes. Now, MGM or whatever they are would really like to, to have been there for that one. Think of it. He tied 300 foxes. And then he set their tails on fire. I mean, now that I just think of it, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> Killing innocent animals. No. But, but you really can't even touch that side of the story because God was in it, so we'll just go on. <laughs> just like Samson's parents were to take his decision to marry the ungodly Philistine by faith, were to take it by faith that in that case it was fine to tie the tails of the foxes and set the fields on fire with the, with the foxes. Maybe the foxes were diseased. <laughs> then, this man who was certainly different than most men, then he takes the jawbone of an ass and kills a thousand Philistines. 
And that too was different. <laughs> he had the Spirit of the Lord upon him, and the grace of God was over him. But he successfully killed a thousand of God's enemies through the power of God. Then the sad encounter with Delilah and she found a way to get his secret and the Philistine shaved his hair off and took his eyes out. With his eyes gulged out then they take him to a festival where they are worshipping their pagan god Dagon. Dagon was to be worshipped at this festival, in this great pavilion, in this great temple. And in the 22nd verse of the 16th chapter, it says, Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow, and he was shaven, after he was shaven. This is a great picture of a Christian in the application of the New Testament growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ after failure. This is a picture of a believer who can no longer walk by sight because of failure and now must trust God to grow in grace through God's love. There he was being mocked by the Philistines who did everything they could to make him embarrassed. They praised their God. Their hearts were merry. In verse 25 they call for Samson that, he may, that they may make him a sport. They brought him out of the prison house. They set him between the pillars. They laid the... And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord. And he said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, strengthen me, I pray thee. He said, Remember the power that you have given me in the past. Remember all that you did through me by your grace. Now he said, I pray that you may this once, O God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistines for my eyes. He said, I want you to avenge me of the Philistines for what they did to my eyes. Now, in the natural realm, was that a selfish prayer? Was it? 
Wasn't that a selfish prayer? I mean, Stephen prayed for his enemies. Jesus prayed for his enemies. Moses prayed for Israel when they were in backslidden condition. Paul loved the, his Jews born after the flesh and prayed for them, was willing to go to hell in their place. But Samson wanted to be avenged because of what the Philistine did to his eyes. He had a need to be avenged. And the sovereign grace of God will honor his prayer because the Philistines were God's enemies. And Samson was his child even though he had failed. As Samson began all of a sudden to realize that God had allowed his hair to grow back and that power would come into his life and he would be able to be used of God to do more as he died in the will of God than he did all the time that he had been living. Now, as a child of God begins to understand failure, it is very vital that as God's people, as God's leaders, wherever we may be leaders, that we understand that it's not by might nor by power but by God's Spirit that we exercise our God-given leadership. When it comes to a husband, he must make sure that it's not by might nor by power but by God's Spirit. And he must lead with his amazing ability that God gives him through growing in grace. As a pastor that administrates, that answers calls all over the world, that deals with many people that will never ever be in this church, and neither do they know us, neither have they seen us, as well as our own affiliated ministries in some cases and our local assembly here, it is very vital that I grow in grace and that I administrate not in the energy of the flesh. There is no fear in God's love. There is no insecurity in divine confidence. There is no wavering in the filling of the Spirit. There is no doubting in a walk of faith. And so a believer must learn to know as he grows in grace what that grace gives him the ability to do. It is growing in God's grace that gives us the ability to overcome our personal enemies, to overcome the world and to overcome ourselves. Samson at first did not realize that the hair was growing on his head. And all of a sudden, as the hair began to grow and his strength came into him, 
After he had prayed that prayer, he took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which was it was borne upon, and of the one with his right hand, and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. You see, Samson was calling the shots. He was deciding what was going to happen because God was hearing everything he said through grace and God was answering him through grace. So Samson was going to be heard by grace and God will answer his prayer by grace and he said, let me die. So God honored that prayer and God honored the prayer of him being used to destroy the 3,000 Philistines. Now he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which he slew in his life. It's a very unique thing for a child of God to realize that when we are truly established in God's grace, when we are in a kingdom that cannot be moved, so we serve God by grace acceptably with fear and reverence in Hebrews 12:28, that grace gives the believer ability that he hasn't earned favor that he doesn't deserve, answers that he hasn't worked for, and God intervenes because a throne of grace is answering the prayer of Samson. It is a throne of grace. Samson isn't into law. He's into grace. So he's in a sphere of grace, a kingdom of grace, and a realm of grace. And therefore, he will beautifully rise to the occasion and be vindicated as God's servant on the basis of the ability of grace. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com Samson, very unique in the scriptures, the way that God used Samson. It says in Judges 14.4 that the things that were happening in Samson's life that the Lord was going to use them. That he sought an occasion against the Philistines, it says in verse 4. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. And in the book of Judges as a whole, we see God using individuals, raising up different individuals. But it's not in an atmosphere of understanding. The word of God was not openly discussed, taught, uh, many people, most people, 
really had no idea of the existence of the scriptures, much less were taught what their contents were about the character and nature of God and what he had done. And so you see a person like Samson, he did think very differently and he you don't see a lot of people naming their children Samson. There are plenty of Davids out there, there are plenty of Pauls out there, but you don't see a lot of young men named Samson, do you? Because he was a man that clearly had many vices, many inconsistencies in his life, um, and it was because he was not taught. And it also, his life mirrors the life of maybe children who were born into a family of believers or a religious family, uh, though they may not really be born of God. They may have a desire to honor God through their religious system. But their children often rebel. And here, Samson, there was this Nazarite vow that was really sort of imposed upon him by his parents. But he did grow to have a relationship with God. And it was amazing how God used Samson. I think it's important for all of us to understand that we have experiences with God. We, we experience, and by the grace of God, what we're speaking about today will be understood. There's an anointing and a call on every believer's life. Someone who has believed in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is sealed with the Spirit and has a special impartation of God's Spirit that's on their individual life. And they have experiences with God and see things through different lenses. Now, there may not... As the Word of God is taught, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and faith is what pleases God and and puts us... The objective word of truth puts us on the same page with God. We can only let that mind which is in Christ Jesus, be in us, when that mind has been communicated to us, it is something that is received, uh, initiated and then received by the hearer um, in order for that to happen. So when there are times when we are ignorant of the truth or may have grown up altogether, uh, a lot of our experience was ignorant or absent of the truth, absent that even God had a particular opinion about the things that were going on in our life. But Samson did have times where there were incredible moving of the Spirit on his life. In Judges 14.4, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And this lion that was challenging him says that Samson rent him as he would rent a kid. And he had nothing, he had no weapon in his hands. Amazing. Amazing. That this strength that would come upon him, that he would kill a lion with his bare hands. And, and then going home, the same scripture says, that same verse, that he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. It was so like, this was something that was between him and God only. So and when he went, he, he kills this lion, then he goes about his business, on his way back, it says in verse 8, and after a time he returned to take her, this woman that he um, was to marry. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, 
There was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands, and he went on eating. And he came to his father and mother, and he gave them. And they did eat, but but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, actually, that was unclean as far as Hebrew law went. To actually have dealings with a dead animal was against the law. It was un, He was unclean. But you can see that Samson is not functioning. He has no knowledge of the law. He does not know of the law. He is walking with God. So Samson is walking with God. And he is functioning as a, chill, as a child of promise. There were promises that were given to Abraham. And then later, much later, hundreds of years later, the law was given to Moses. And Israel came under the law. And while there was an amazing new communication from God about, about many things, Israel came under the curse, a curse of the law. Because they ceased to function in the promises that were given to them through Abraham. And now sought to please God through this law, where the law was never given as a means to please God. And that, But Samson has no knowledge of this. He's walking in, in grace. He's walking in a relationship with God. And while he makes many, many mistakes because he doesn't have the structure, he doesn't have... He doesn't have the means of knowing God in an objective way. He also, there, there, are, there is no hindrance from him being used of God. And so later he takes this experience with the lion and he forms this riddle. In Judges 14.14, 14, he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound upon the riddle. How could they know? of this experience that Samson had with the lion. How would they know? They wouldn't know. Only he knew and God knew. And we have this kind of a life before God. Now, we have incredible objective truth that keeps us from many of the pitfalls that Samson fell into. We also have the Spirit of God functioning in our lives and anointing that's on our lives. And we, we've sensed it when we've been in the presence of God during the worship time when we've heard messages that, that carry the anointing when our bondages dropped away from us and things that plagued us for years, guilt and shame and sinful cycles, were no longer, we were no longer held captive to these things. It's a, it, God moved in our life at times and, and if anyone has walked with God for a period of time, there are these experiences that they can recount. And I hope you, as a listener, have many of these. And if you have not experienced these things, as you continue in a walk with God, you will. You will. Because there is, this is the inheritance of the believer. That he has a secret. He has secret manna that he eats of. That's his experience with God. That the, the, his, his um, witness to the glory of God of what God has done. The book of Hebrews speaks about many things, and Hebrews chapter 6 is misunderstood by many. I love what it says. I love what it says in Hebrews 6, 9. After talking about much controversy, starting out the scriptures, talking about all of these things, about these, these doctrines that were Jewish doctrines. They were Jewish doctrines that carried over and had application in 
in the new life in Christ. But these were foundational things. These were, these were things that were being held onto in the wrong way. The book of Hebrews is focused on several different, it's written to many different groups, we would say. There were the unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem, and then there were those Jews that were now believing, and they were mixed in with this group. The book of Hebrews is, is written specifically to, to this mass of people, some having been converted, some having not yet been converted. And so at times it's addressing different aspects, different groups, and many of the misunderstandings of the scriptures are that they don't have an understanding that this is focused to these two people groups. These fundamental principles are mostly Jewish things. And some of the believers that were in Israel were returning, because of pressure, they were returning back to their old way of doing things. And they were seeing this, even their new life in Christ, through Judaism. And if they were to continue in that kind of life, it, and then it would be a dishonoring to God. And also, in the years to come, they would, they would not heed and they would not be sensitive to the initiation of the Spirit of God. So when Titus of Rome would come in 70 AD, when, this, when the city would be surrounded, and then there'd be a moment in time where, where the siege would be lifted, and Christ had instructed them to leave the city, they would, if, if they were living in this old way, they would not leave the city. And Titus would again come and lock it down, and in 70 AD the temple would be destroyed and there'd be a massive slaughter. And so these scriptures were preparing these people, some of them um, initiating them in such a way, Christ is better, Christ is better, all through the beginning of the book of Hebrews, to show them the needed salvation that they would have in their, in their Messiah, and that though they would be converted, and for the ones that were converted and were to be converted, that they would heed the call, not be so attached to their Judaism and their lens of seeing things, that they wouldn't heed what Christ had said and, and exit the city and therefore save their life. But I love Hebrews 6, 9. Once past talking about these, he says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And though the writer of Hebrews was warning them, there was a, he was persuaded that those that were saved, that, that those that knew God and had walked with God during a period of time in their life, even if now under pressure they were succumbing to the world, he said, we are persuaded that those th- there are things that accompany salvation and that these things are in you and because they are in you, we are going to see you this way. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which he showed towards his name. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And yes, it is out of out of this time with God, there is, there is sweetness. There is sweetness in understanding the work of God in a person's life. There is sweetness in understanding the work of God in our life. It gives us an experience that no one 
can take away these things. Martyrs went to their deaths because not denying the name of Christ because the name of Christ carried with it a sweetness, a sweetness because of the experience of salvation, because of the knowledge of their standing before their Savior. They could not bring themselves to deny his name because of that great love and honor that's produced in our hearts. And we see others. We see others according to the sweetness as well. Even when it doesn't seem like they're walking with God right now. Even when it seems like they're they're falling into their old, old lines again. We, we don't see them as being that way. We see them in the newness of the life of Christ because Christ is able to keep them and produce that life in them. If people will continue to hear objective truth, then God will produce the life and of that objective truth in them. So if you out there... If you are hearing about Christ for the first time, or you're hearing and you sense that a moment, a sweetness, a, a, a reality here about the life of God, that you can be saved. You can have this, these kinds of, this kind of life punctuated by the presence of God, the anointing of God, the witness of His glory. If you would receive Christ as your Savior, He would give this to you. And you would have it in abundance. And pray a prayer with me. Lord, come into my life. Save me. I pray. I've lived like Samson. (laughs) But I have a desire that you would move in this time in my life and transfer me from this kingdom that I've been living in into the kingdom of your dear son. Lord, I, I pray 